All right, so uh, just bear with me for a second. I just pulled the plans up. I want to make sure I'm going to show the right sheet. So if you guys... They're already live, so I'm going to start reading the thing while you pull it up. The introduction? Yep. Okay. Um, good morning, everybody. It is October 19th. Um, this open meeting of the Design Review Committee is being conducted remotely pursuant to the Chapter 2 of the ACTA 2023, an act relative to extending certain COVID-19 measures adopted during the state of emergency signed into law March 29th, 2023. All members of the Design Review Committee are allowed and encouraged to participate remotely. The act allows the Design Review Committee to meet entirely remotely, so long as reasonable public access is afforded so the public can follow along with the deliberations of the meeting. The public is encouraged to follow along using the posted agenda, unless the chair notes otherwise. Members of the public who wish to review the live stream of this meeting may do so by going to Northborough Remote Meetings on YouTube via the link listed on the agenda. Ensuring public access does not ensure public participation. This meeting will not feature public comment. Members, when I call your name, please respond in the affirmative. Lisa Maselli? Aye. Dave Veron. Here. Amy Perutsky is an aye. Um, staff, when I call your name, Lori Connor. Yes. And Bob's not with us today. I just made it. Oh, I didn't see you. Sorry. Bob Puerto Rico. I'm here. Okay. Um, business ground rules. The chair will invite each speaker or applicant on the agenda by name to make a presentation and speak to their application. Participants will provide their full name and hold until their name is called. Each speaker will be asked to mute their phone or computer when not speaking to speak clearly in a way that helps generate accurate meeting minutes. Those responding will be asked to wait for the floor until the floor is yielded to them by the chair. Speakers who wish to respond to the comments of others do so through the chair, taking care to identify themselves. Each vote taken will be roll call vote. It is now, I see a full screen so I don't see the time on my computer. I don't know what time it is. It's uh, around 8.35. And first on our agenda is 129 Maple Street. <clears throat> and I think Justin will be presenting this morning, the yeah. changes since last week. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Justin Claire McCarty Engineering. Sorry for the fluster. This is my first day back after a couple weeks off. So I got thrown right in the fire. But um, after talking to David and Patrick here in the office, um, this is the most up-to-date revised set. So the changes on this plan, I'll just highlight them really quickly. Down here where the second driveway was located, we're proposing to remove this driveway and this area will be woman seated. So you can see the gravel driveway is obviously the garage is still being demoed but from here up will be all woman seated additionally you can see the revised driveway here where we have 10 parking spots with the dumpster pad with six foot vinyl fence enclosure the remaining existing pavement area that isn't being used will be removed and that will be woman seated as well Additional comments include the patios. So you change the note in the hatch now to say proposed 10 by 10 paver patios. 
And then I believe the other comments were. Yeah, we had added some foundation plantings. Yep. So we had foundation plantings here along the front as original, but on the sides, we have boxwoods, boxwoods pro proposed here and here. And I believe lighting did not change based on the modified layout. And then David, you said there were some changes to the architectural plants as well, right? Yeah, if you wanted to pull those up quick. Yep. Um, if you scroll down right there. So yep. on um, the east and west side, um, on the east and west side of the building, there will be uh, two windows added that that aren't going to be, you know, false windows. Those are actual those are actual windows. Um, you know, design came because the um, um, the water uh, is coming in on the left side, and there's a stairwell on the right side. So we were able to add two windows on each side, which was what you know Lisa had requested, which I, I actually thought that was a great idea. So had no problem with doing that. Um, I guess the only thing off our checklist that uh, we weren't able to do that we did look at and, and looked at it for probably, you know, a day and a half was the, uh, the hardy plank was just so, it was so much more uh, out of our budget than we initially had expected. Although, you know, I was looking forward to, uh, you know, potentially trying to add that but we're definitely going to stick with the vinyl, um, you know, the vinyl siding just because it was just, I couldn't believe how much more it was. Although I wasn't so much of a fan of the party plank having it on my house. Um, I just think in this application, the vinyl um, is just our, is just what we're going to propose. Okay. Thank you. Um, Lori, and I, Dave and Bob weren't here. I don't know if Dave and Bob weren't here in the last meeting, but if there's anything else that we have to go over, we're more than happy to go over anything that you guys want. Dave or um, Bob, do you have any comments, yeah, questions? If I may, um, the, the new energy code that came out, uh, well, the first one came out in January. The second one came out July 1st. Um, is that um, electronic vehicle charging stations will be required. I believe it's a minimum of one per dwelling. So you're going to have to accommodate for that. Um, if you could go back to the um, overall site plan that you had up this morning, um, it's it seems as if, you know, since your parking spots are in a lineup, if you... I don't have the numbers in my head, but if you only need one per unit, you could literally come right down um, one of the aisles. Um, so it shouldn't be that terribly difficult to accommodate. Yeah, I believe that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, I believe that building code is that you need to have it accessible if it's, if it's required or wanted by a tenant, you don't have to have the actual charging station in as long as you bring um, the conduit and everything to that location, it could be added at, at another time, correct? Um, I'd have to double check that, but what is certainly required at a bare minimum is, you know, the, um, the breaker in the service panel, the conduit, the wiring. Yep. Um, 
and it has to terminate at some sort of a junction box. Whether or not the actual charging unit needs to be installed, I'll have to check on that. Um, I don't have that detail in my head. Okay. But, but, but the infrastructure to support that is definitely required. Okay. Yep. That's no problem. Is that for just multifamily, Bob, or for all houses? Every single new house. Oh, wow. Townhouse, apartment, uh, and in the commercial code, parking lots. How many, how many per space in a commercial parking lot not to go off track? I don't, I don't, I don't have that in my head. That's why they put it on a chart. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to remember it. <laughs> All right. Can you send that out to the planning board just so we know? I know you're going to have to enforce it. I'm just curious. Yeah. I'll see if I can put something together for you. Thanks. Amy? Yep. Um, I'd like to ask a question. Sure. Um, in looking at the, the leaching field that exists, have you moved that? Is that going somewhere else? No. So it's so, the, yeah, the only thing we're doing with the leaching field is adding a, um, a 1500 gallon uh, tank. Okay. Which was, that was asked to by the Board of Health. All right. So my, there's a little bit of a concern with that neighborhood. Um, when people are looking to park additionally, um, they park on the grass and that's really close to the road and the parking spots. Is there a way you can protect that? Because I know I can't park on my leaching field in my backyard. I can't even drive over it. Um, how could you protect your, uh, your equipment from having that happen? Because it's historic. And then I think if you go down that neighborhood, you'll see quite often, especially um, Johnson Street used to really line up with cars, not enough parking space on. So. I mean, there's going to be some trees that are running parallel to the road. Um, I don't know. I guess I've never really been asked that question. And I don't think at the other properties that I own in town, I've ever really seen anybody on the leach field. Um, I mean, I guess it's uh, up to your tenants to do the right thing, I suppose, you know, I mean, if we look at every project and, uh, you know, try to make sure cars aren't driving on the lawn, I mean, particularly you usually don't, I understand with what you're saying, but uh, in this case, I guess, uh, just hope that your tenants do the right thing. Um, the grade change is about a, is about a, you know, a foot and a half difference from the road to there. So there is an incline that most vehicles probably wouldn't be able to drive up on. Um, plus with the trees there, um, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess I don't really have a great answer, but I, but I would hope that they wouldn't be driving through the front yard. Well, that's uh, I hope the trees, I think the trees will definitely help. On, yeah. From that approach, but when you're in the driveway, is the driveway flush? Did you put like a cement lip on the the right side or the east side of that driveway to keep the cars from going from there across? Um, I mean, I, it's your land. You're going to be have to. You're the one. Yeah, to yeah. No, I, yeah, no, I understand. No, I appreciate your concern, and I definitely take a note of that and put that into consideration of you know, when the final thing gets put through, if, if, if I do feel like the grade change and there's something that could be done, then we'll uh, definitely look into that. 
because I mean, no, most places, mine is in my backyard. So it's not a lot that's usually in the front or by the parking areas. But yeah. it's, you know, again, it's, it's your situation, not mine, but I, I would be like, oh, that might not be a, a good idea. Yes, no, I appreciate it. It's always good neighbors looking out for neighbors. Um, all right, so do you have a sample of what the lights are gonna look like on the building? Did you show us that? Uh, Jay probably had that, but is yeah. that it? Well, that's a pole-mounted fixture. And is there? Imagine there's a pole, what, right in the center of the driveways on left and right, or east yeah. and west. So let me zoom in here. So there's one just. Oh, come on, there's one just on the back side of this side of the parking field, and then one here as well. And do you have any more on the walking into the building itself, like along, along the path that would give people the... Uh... Yes, so where you see wall here, these are wall-mounted lights. They'll provide lighting along the path here. And I believe Jay has... He doesn't have it on this plan. I believe he does have a spec somewhere that we can provide, but it would be your, pretty much your typical residential wall-mounted light that would be on these units. And, but those are, those are controlled by, who, who turns on the lights that go to the driveway? Just come on a timer or? Or would you like to see them? How would you like to see them come on? Well, I don't know. I mean, what's going to happen is you've got five different families living in the building. So if four families at one point, uh, one, two, three, and four to the west, aren't home and they don't turn the lights on. And the guy who's coming home, uh, and he's coming all the, way to the, all the way to the east, he's going to walk down your path and everything. Normally, because it's a one home, one person situation, you don't have to think about stuff like that. But when you're having multi-families living, um, it's safe to have a place where they can actually get some lighting. So, um, and we talk about that more in like a two family, we'll look at a driveway coming down a road, coming down into the uh, walk space into the house. And so now you have a little bit different situation where you have five different, five different families living here. So if one person's coming in and there's no way to get light, well, yeah, I suppose you could use your cell phone if you, you know, if you can't see well, um, it's just a, it's a concern in terms of, again, five people, five families as opposed to one. So if you have these two poles in the driveway, how do those go on? Are those are something that, you know, do, do they switch on when you drive over a lump in the driveway? Do you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not just a home anymore. It's, it's five homes. So, so I would think that there would be a thought of, you know, and if it's the pole picture that you show us, those are, you know, those are just little lights that you would put along a path or something, and you've got quite a long path here. Um, right. I mean, we we are in you know a residential area. You know, the pole in, in the you know the parking lot area. I know at my other buildings that I own, those are on a timer because I have to continuously change them as the season changes. So those are on like a four-hour timer. Um, so say they would start at you know you know, four o'clock and be off by, you know, nine o'clock. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to run those lights all night. I'm sure your neighbors wouldn't appreciate that. And as for the lights going up into the, um, the units, um, I mean, we could make those, you know, motion sensitive or, or whatever you guys think would, would be right. 
I think your motion sensor is a great idea. Maybe, um, maybe put at least, well, I don't know, the way the thing's laid out. Um, the light pole on the east side might prevent people from, at least one, one vehicle from driving up onto the leaching field. But um, all right, well, I'll, I mean, I just, I think that would be, a, it would be a good accommodation to have is some extra light so that people can make their way into their doors. Um, okay, next question. Um, and there's, is there a full basement in this house? When this yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. And I guess my, um, I'm just going to finish my last question by asking. Um, so we've gone from originally a, a 3,990 square foot um, structure to a 7,420 foot structure. Is that correct? Maybe Laurie knows that answer. I believe the uh, footprint of the building has increased to 4,600. And then I'll have to look to see what the exact, uh, actually, I got it right here. Uh, the total level, uh, living area is 7,420. Okay. So there's an unfinished attic and an unfinished basement. So that amount, that 7,000, 7, almost 7,500 does not include the attic or the basement for size? That's the living area. So yes, I would imagine that the unfinished attic and the unfinished basement is not included. The attic is 352 square feet each. The basement is 912 square feet each. Um, not to interrupt, but the attic changed. It's now a bedroom. So the finished area oh, okay. would go up. So the finished portion of the attic is included in the 7,420 square feet. So it includes the first floor, the finished attic. It does not include the unfinished attic space and the unfinished basement space. Do we have a, I like this, I actually haven't seen this. Do we have a, um, do we have a floor plan of the unfinished attic space? Yes, it's, um, it's on the second floor plan. So the second floor is considered the attic. So it's the, it's a little room on the um, north of the bathroom. If you look at the floor is now a bedroom because there was some discrepancies of how many people, how many bedrooms you could have in the house. So instead of going back and forth and getting argument with everybody and, and saying, well, he said, she said, I took the second floor, made a bedroom and put a, 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 a dining room that was completely open on the first floor. So now there's no, no one can say how many people can live here. Is this an open floor plan? Is it not? So I just went, I went and just, change the configuration around. And that's what we'll be presenting to the ZBA. So there shouldn't be any questions about how many people can live in the house now. Okay, well, that's great. And did you, you didn't reduce your bath to a half bath downstairs. I see you have a full bath still. Yeah, I put a full, I mean, I, I put a full bath, you know, just simply for the reason that 
you know, you know, if you have a, you know, a pullout couch and a guest stays over or, or something or, you know, his or hers or, 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 or whatnot, you know, I just thought it was a nice amenity to the house, you know. No, you could save some money making it a half bath, but all right. Um, I guess um, those are my questions right now. Thank you. I just had a quick question for Bob. Since there are two full baths, if the den goes to a bedroom and it's marketed as two bedrooms versus one, one, what type of enforcement? I know it's happened before. There's those apartments off of Whitney Street, and there is a decision that says they're supposed to be two bedrooms each, and now they're being sold as four bedrooms. Um, some you, of them. Can you repeat that? Um, so per the Board of Health, you can only have one bedroom per unit. Um, what happens if in the future, the den downstairs with the full bathroom is marketed as a two bedroom unit, even though <clears> it's supposed <throat> to be a one bedroom? Is there something that the building enforcement- where, where would the second bedroom be? On the first floor? Yes, in the den. In the- Or whatever it was called, I can't read it. Dining room. This plan? Oh, the dining room, yes. There are no walls that allow it to be a bedroom. It's open to the kitchen, the dining room? Yeah. Okay, but you could, anybody can put up a wall. I was just curious. Not without a permit. And Mr. Cooley is the owner of these apartments. He's not going to be condoized. Okay. Um, upon the sale of a house, I don't have the authority to go in there as a building inspector and tell them that they did wrong and prevent the sale of the house. Okay. It's up to the real estate agents um, who are, who are supposed to do their due diligence and I see that as the big failure over and over and over again. I don't know how many times I've caught houses that have been completely redone on the MLS sheet that pops up. And I look at that address and I discover that there's all kinds of work that's been done. And yep. as a building official, I or as a zoning official, I cannot prevent the sale of the house for any of those reasons. Now, okay. in this particular case, you know, somebody putting up a wall in, 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 in what somebody does inside of, a, of, an, of an apartment, that's the responsibility of the tenant and the owner. Okay. And, you know, if somebody decides to, you know, use it as a sleeping area, I, I really don't have the authority to go in and do anything about it. Whether it's a single family home or a, um, a townhouse. You know, at some okay. point, these are private residences and you have to let the residents live. I'm not saying that a, a downstairs bedroom would be illegal or anything like that. Also, to continue on this conversation, these are unfinished basements. Okay. And with Mr. Cooley owning them as apartments, he has the ultimate authority whether or not um, those basements get finished. If and when they do, um, there's complete process for that and the health department is involved at step one because if a room is constructed that looks like a bedroom the health department will count it as a bedroom and they're going to have to have either a deed restriction or a um uh a, a change to the septic system okay that's another common common problem we see every day 
So um, I don't know what Mr. Cooley's intentions are, but you know, um, if these were condos um, and individually owned, I would I would suspect that uh, three out of five within the first two years would have a permit for a finished basement. Also keep in mind, whether it's a full bath or half bath, it has absolutely zero bearing on any septic requirements. Right. He could have five bathrooms in this little townhouse and it's still a one bedroom, um, one bedroom townhouse. Right. Did that answer your question? Yep. And that's always interesting. Not, not for you, Mr. Cooley or for you, yeah. how the health goes by bedrooms versus bathrooms. Like, you would think the bathrooms have more of an effect on the um, septic than really the bedrooms. Well, it's all in Title Five. It's been yep. set up by the state, and you know you could have, you know, bathrooms. It, it's it depends upon the number of occupants. Right. I mean, yep. occupancy's got nothing to do with a bathroom. I know families of uh, seven, eight, and nine kids when I when I was going to school, and they had one bathroom. Yep. You know, then, then again, I see brand new houses going up with four bathrooms and there's one kid. Yep. Hey, you saying something about my house, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> I, I see one this kid, all the time. One kid, five bathrooms. I don't know what my wife was thinking. I see this all the time. It happens everywhere. Okay, I have one question more. On, on this plan, if you drop it down just a little bit, Yes. Whoa, whoa, not too far. Oops, sorry. Make sure that's all right. So on the left, the left side or the west side, as we're looking at it, we have the pad that comes out by the kitchen. What's what's on the dining room? What's the what's the rectangle on the dining room? No, up here. Up, up, <laughs> I'm pointing Ooh. at the screen you can't even look at. Um, Where on the north, right there? Yes. That's the bulkhead. That's a bulkhead. For egress. Oh, it's the bulk. Yeah. So this is your stair down to the paver patio. And this is your bulkhead to get to the unfinished basement. All right. That's I was like, what is that? <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Does anybody else, Lori, um, Dave Aaron, anyone else have any questions? I do have a question. In the front, you have two uh, Hanukkah, if I remember correctly, Hanukkah cypresses either side, front, and then you have a couple of different trees. Uh, I forget that, but they were going across. Um, what was your thinking on the cypresses, the uh, Hanukkah, and then the uh, different ones going across there versus doing like all street trees? These ones here? I don't know. I, I had a hard time hearing what he said. Something about a difference between two trees. You're the Hanukkah cypresses, right, left, and then three different, uh, what you do, dogwoods, I believe, or corn exclusive, or dogwoods. Yeah. What was your thinking versus going like all street trees or something like that? Any preference? I, I mean, I was, I'm not a landscape architect by no means, although I do have a landscape company, but trees aren't my profession. Um, so yeah. I, up to the McCarty company to that they have the landscape architect design what he thought was best um you know he went to the site uh he looked at the abutters and that was the plan that he had that he had uh, come up with Dave yeah what was his thinking or whoops 
any thoughts or who, who's McCar- is that uh that the engineer or? that's the engineer company yeah certified okay. landscape architect yeah so when we originally went back and forth on this and again I, i'm just the engineer not the landscape architect but yeah he thought that this layout here would give you it would fit the neighborhood well but also give you enough screening where the building now especially now that we've shifted back a little bit further it'll screen the dwelling unit from the road but with street trees especially this close up to the property line i know towns and dpw don't care for them we've come into other towns where we propose street trees and they're like no we just don't want to deal with them because when they're in full maturity they're just a lot to handle so something a little bit smaller but something still big enough that will screen the dwelling from the street and then give you a little bit of variety okay I have it while while this is up. I have one more. It says remove existing hedgerow. I thought you already took those down. Yeah, we just up, updated the plan. It wasn't on the plan last time. So, but you're not taking any more down than what you've already taken down, correct? Correct. So that that update means that's what you are, even though you've done it, it was just meant to be that we were going to do it. We've done it. Yes. All right. Okay, thanks. Okay. I think we're um, all set if anybody, unless anybody else has any more. Judy. Lori, did you have any questions? Some of us are having more fun than others, apparently. No, no questions. It looks like they have addressed my uh, concerns. The the only thing that I will ask you to do is to, find the lighting cut sheets online and email those to me. Okay. Yeah, I know I, I actually know that that Jay has those. So I will, um, depending on how his morning goes, I won't bother him this morning, but I will send him an email later and get those cut sheets over to you. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So we'll go over the memo. Um, it's up to Dave if Cooley if you guys want to stay. We'll talk about the memo that we'll send to the ZBA. Um, I was going to pull up the one that you did for 309, 305. I thought I did. Just to see how it was worded. Good, how are you? <laughs> thought I had it up. So, Lori, you usually mention all the... um. Trying to pull it up. Usually um, mention all the different documents we went through. And then she writes, the design review committee provides the following comments on the project. And then we provide conditions should the Board of Appeals vote to approve the project. Um, Does anybody on the committee have any comments that we want to add or conditions? Just so you know, the uh, the planting condition and the lighting condition are standard conditions that I include in every decision. So you don't have to ask for that one, for those two. 
They're already okay. in the draft decisions that I'm finalizing today. Okay. So do Lisa, do you want to do anything about considering the um, lights? I mean, it's up to the ZBA and the applicant, but about the motion sensor lights on the building. So, you know, people do have lighting when they walk down that path at night. Well, you know, the part of me definitely says for safety reasons, but we haven't discussed where the poles might be or anything else like that. I mean, uh, Laurie, what would you suggest on that? Uh, the poles are on the photometric plan. So, so I, know that, I know there's two poles there, but what I'm saying is the type of lighting and the, okay, Bob. <laughs> may, may I propose a wild idea for the walkway itself? Um, instead of putting lights up on poles, obviously you need a light that's attached to the house near the door. But if you want to interested in lighting the walkway, um, and Dave can chime in on this, I'm sure, is put in um, a ground mount short post with a little bit of down lighting. So it looks like a little black, you know, it's about three feet tall. It's got a lamp at the top. It's got fins that direct the light to the bottom. So you're not lighting the air, but you're actually lighting the ground around it. And since you've got five units, maybe you put one at the beginning of each um uh, one in front of each door along that walkway just like a path light all the way exactly a, a path light yeah. yeah yeah i'm fine with that i mean we, we do exterior lighting every week so that's not that's not an issue to uh to add something like that bob i actually kind of like that idea i think that that's a great idea opposed to having something shining towards a road keep something that's specifically lighting the walkway nothing else so so we'd have like five on the inside, the part that look that that faces the grass as opposed to, to the west side. No, this would be along the walkway in front of the building itself. Okay, because I I the, what I understand your concern is that you know uh, foot safety and some sort of a lit pathway to go from the parking lot to the residence door. You know, I, yeah, I, I think I think I understood what Lisa was trying to say. So if you have a walkway. You have a north and a south side of the walkway. So yeah. it would be on the north side of the walkway in the mulch bed, not in the grass area. So yeah. it would be, it would be, it would be in, located inside the mulch bed. They usually fall like three or four inches off of the walkway. So it's not a tripping hazard. And it and it lights up enough that like the walkway would be lit up appropriately. So if you put five there, um, you know, there would be enough light between those five inside of the most bed facing to the south that would light the walkway enough that you could walk down and not have an issue. Yeah, that's fine. I, that's, I'm, I'm just yeah. throwing out the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it'll be fine. I think I agree. That, and then that's, that's a light sensitive thing, right? So it's not on all the time, but it just comes on solarly or? You can put them on a motion sensor. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so that would be a condition since we, you know, we don't want to come back again. Right. So we'll just have a suggestion of a condition to add the um, lighting along the pathway. Laura, you, I think you heard the whole, so you should be able to draft up the sentence. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Any other comments? No, Bob, you had mentioned, well, I guess that would be more of a ZBA thing. Yep. Um, well, a deed restriction, because that's what they did on Whitney Street. They said, it, you know, since the Board of Health said it can only be one bedroom, 
Yeah, on Whitney Street, they said two bedrooms, so they actually had it as, as a deed restriction. Uh, that would be up to the um, health agent to make that determination. Yep, or the ZBA, right? If you could only no. have one. No, the, the ZBA cannot force uh, the health department because the um, the deed restriction comes out of um, Title V. And the only authority that, that I'm aware of that's enabled to um, enforce Title V is the health department. Oh, okay. I'm not Whitney, sure of that, but just check with Kristen on that. Okay. On the Whitney Street ones, there was a condition on the decision that they had to be two bedrooms. So I guess it would be a, more of a condition than a deed restriction. Okay. So any more? I guess we, we won't put that on. That's more of a ZBA thing. I guess there are no more conditions. Okay. Sounds like it's just the lighting. Thanks, um, Blue Water. I don't know. No, thank you very much. What a great moment in time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Looking forward <laughs> to the next project. Okay. Thanks. Beautifying Northboro one property at a time. That's what we're trying to do. Right. Okay. Um, next on the agenda, um, I had time to review the August 10th minutes. I'm not sure anybody else did. Did anyone have any have time to read them or have any concerns? I read them and I don't have any concerns. I didn't either. No okay. So do I have a motion that we approve the August 10th minutes? So moved. Dave, we need a second. Second. <laughs> Roll call vote. Lisa Maselli? Aye. Dave Varon? Aye. Amy Peretzky is an aye. And that's all we have on the agenda today. So um, we'll see you guys in November. Very cool. All right. Have a good day. Have a safe trip. Bye. Good, thank Bye. you. Bye.